Now, we did not have a midweek service this past week. Uh, it was the uh, July 4th, Independence Day. And so we're picking up where we left off last, the week before last. And uh, now before we begin there in verse 19, by way of introduction, I'll give you this introductory statement. Now it's been said by many preachers of both the present and the past, how that these verses found here in the book of Romans form one of the clearest declarations of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 19 through to the concluding verse especially, set forth one of the clearest declarations of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, declaring how God can be just in justifying the ungodly, and at the same time both honoring his holy law and honoring his holy character, glorifying himself in the complete and full salvation of sinners. Beloved, this is the glory and the power of the gospel of Christ unto salvation. Lord enabling, we shall look upon these verses that reveal the gospel so clearly to those who ask him to both teach and reveal the gospel. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. To those who have been given eyes to see and ears to hear, the gospel of God's grace in Christ is clearly set forth here. But the Lord must open our heart, our eyes, our ears, and our understanding. I pray that he will give every one of us gathered here this evening an understanding that we may all know him that is true, the true God and eternal life. Now look at there in Romans chapter 3. Verse 19. Now we know, this is what every believer knows. We know that what things soever the law saith, now this refers to the whole law of God, the ceremonial law, the moral law, the Levitical law. It saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now, we know that the law is of God. He gave it. He's the author of it, and he's the authority of it. Now, the week before last, we were reminded, and perhaps a few of you learned, just how depraved we all are. Indeed, the scriptures clearly set forth and pronounce how that all men are sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. All men, you and me are all guilty before God, left outside of Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, God's word declares, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And that's the summation of all mankind, all men that have ever lived everywhere. That's a whole lot of people. There is none righteous, no, not one. So what's wrong with humanity? Just one word. S-I-N, sin. And we're sinners through and through. Now, verse 19 does not say we think 
or we speculate, but rather ever so blessedly beloved, we know. However, if we had been left to ourselves, what we think or what we speculate, that we thought we were right at one time, well, that's the natural man's thinking, and it's just plain wrong. I've heard people say in the past, say things like, well, I don't know what the Bible says, but I know what I think. Or they'll say, for me, God is like this, or God's like that. Well, there's your problem. Your thinking's all wrong. You see, my friend, by nature, we think totally contrary to the Word of God. And so it's not what we think that's right. Rather, it's what saith the Lord that's right. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And of course, the rhetorical answer to that question is absolutely yes, he will. Verse 19. Now we know that all things, and we know that what things soever the law saith. Now we know that what things soever the law saith. And here's what we know as revealed in the light and the revelation of the testimony of God by, through, and in Christ. How that the law of God declares every sinner guilty. Guilty before God. What is your standing before the law? Guilty. You see, my friend, the holy law of God pronounces all men, all women everywhere, totally and utterly sinful and full of guilt. Indeed, sin is the transgression of the law of God. Now, the beauty, mystery, and power of the gospel is how can this sinner be perfect, or how can any sinner be perfect? You see, the law of God does not demand the best I can do. Rather, the law of God demands absolute perfection or death. God's word declares in Ezekiel, not once, but twice, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. God's word declares in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. And so, my friend, the law, the scriptures declare that those who don't worship God perfectly must die. I've never worshiped God perfectly. Indeed, I've never done anything perfectly. And the scriptures set forth in Leviticus 22, 21, how our worship must be perfect to be accepted in God's sight. For it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein. My friend, those who do not love God Almighty perfectly must die eternally. The law declares every sinner guilty. No need to justify yourself. It says here, stop your mouth, for we have no excuse, no alibi, no appeal, no defense. You can hire the best defense attorney, and the sentence still comes back guilty as charged before the court of God's holy law. My friend, our only plea is guilty. Now, the good news of the gospel is how that our God is gracious and merciful to the guilty. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. Now we understand something of what the law says in verse 19. 
how that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Verse 20. Therefore. Now this word therefore looks back to what had just been said. Therefore by the deeds of the law, that is by any effort that you're doing in of yourself to obtain righteousness through the doing of the law, therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified. What does it mean to be justified? It means to be cleared of all guilt, and there shall no flesh be justified or declared innocent in his sight. My friend, you must look to Christ and Christ alone. Look and live. You see, you might look good to me. You might justify yourself before me, but I'm not the judge. God Almighty's the judge. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law, now notice what it says here there in verse 20. By the law is the knowledge of sin. It doesn't say by the law is the removal of sin or by the law is the redemption of sin. But rather by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the deeds of the law, works of the flesh, no sinner can be justified before God. No justification before God by any vain attempts to satisfy the demands of God's law through the deeds of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, we read what the law says. Do you know what the law says? The law says, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Not just to admire them, but rather to do them perfectly as to satisfy God. Now we must all confess we have not obeyed the law. Not once. Indeed, we have not obeyed the law of God, not even one time. Perhaps someone says, well, I never murdered anyone. Oh, yes, you have. You're guilty before God, and we have not obeyed the law one time. And we have no ability to do so for that matter. Now, most people look at the Ten Commandments, which is really just a summation of hundreds of precepts of the law, of which we have not obeyed once. Indeed, we have not obeyed the law, not one time. Nor, for that matter, do we have the ability to do so. I mean, in order to qualify someone as having obeyed the law, now hear me, in order to qualify as being able to say you have obeyed the law, you would have been required to do the law perfectly. And so again, notice it says here by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's what the law reveals and shows to us. Turn to Romans chapter 7 with me and look there in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? No, the law is not sin. The law is just and good. Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. You see, the law is the revelation of sin. For the law can only reveal that we're sinners. It cannot remove our sin. 
It cannot make atonement for our sin, or for that matter, provide a justifying righteousness for us. And that's what God's word sets forth there in Hebrews chapter 10, how that the law, with those sacrifices made under the law, has a shadow of good things to come. That is the sin atonement by the blood of Christ. But there is no man justified by the blood of bulls and goats. All right, Romans 3, verse 21. And here's, here's the good news. But now the righteousness of God. Now, this is not speaking here about the essential character of God. There's no doubt about the fact that God is righteous. Rather, what Paul is referring to here is the righteousness of God that's been provided for guilty sinners. You see, the God-man mediator established a perfect righteousness on behalf of his people. He lived out a life on the earth as a man and established that perfect righteousness on behalf of his people. And beloved, he didn't do that for himself. Rather, he did that for us. You see, for you and to me to stand before God justified, well, you and I need to be as good as God. And how can that be? Well, the answer is in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested or revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now here's the glory and the power of the gospel of Christ. But now... But now, it reminds me of another verse in Ephesians chapter 2, where it describes in verse 1 down through to verse 3, everything we are by nature, dead in sins, children of wrath, children of disobedience. And then it says, beginning in verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And it's such good news, he repeats it later on in verse 8. By grace we are saved. Look again in verse 21 of Romans 3. And notice again this statement, just four words. The righteousness of God. What a statement. The righteousness of God is one of the most significant statements found in the book of Romans concerning the gospel of God. And we've seen this earlier back in Romans chapter 1. If you look there with me, and we'll pick up reading there in verse 16. Romans 1 verse 16. The apostle writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith now turn to Romans chapter 10 the righteousness of God now I not only need my sin removed and we have beloved by the blood atonement of Christ we're redeemed beloved with the precious blood of Christ. And not only do I need my sin removed, but further, I need something else. I need a righteousness charged to my account. And believing sinner, we have both of those in Christ. Beloved, He is our redemption. 
He is our righteousness before God, the righteousness of God. Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Oh, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Now, this is speaking about the justifying righteousness revealed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, provided through the Lord Jesus Christ through his obedience unto death by his substitutionary sacrifice that satisfied the justice of God. Again, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Without the law is the righteousness of God manifested. That is, without your personal obedience or righteousness unto the law. Now stack up all your so-called goodness and righteousness And God says it's just filthy, ruined rags in his sight. So if I'm to be saved, if you're to be saved, it must be without your righteousness, but rather by the perfect righteousness that is the perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ who honored the law of God for us. You see, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ honored the law of God for us. You and I didn't honor the law of God. He did on our behalf. And God just didn't dismiss his law. Rather, the law had to be rem- to be honored. The law had to be magnified. And the Lord Jesus Christ honored every precept of that law. All those hundreds of precepts, he honored every one of them. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness, for he will indeed has magnified my law and honored it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, we read of our Lord teaching us how he didn't come to destroy the law, but rather he came to honor the law of God for us, for his beloved people. And so he satisfied every precept of that law in his life and in his death. He satisfied the perfection of the law and the penalty of the law for us. You see, my friend, God's holy law demands perfection and pavement, perfection and death. And so the Lord Jesus Christ dies on Calvary's tree with the sin of God's people being charged to him. The father makes his beloved sinless son to be made guilty before him, and he dies under the weight and condemnation of that law. And in doing so, beloved, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3, verse 13, we read there, beloved, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. And so that's what happened at Calvary. He was hung on the tree under the curse and judgment of the law. 
The guilty must die. And now, beloved, we're set free. Set free because he paid our debt and set us free. And so now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law of Moses and the prophets. And the very same thing is set forth in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, to the Lord Jesus Christ, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall not shall receive remission of sins. Turn there with me in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. This is the very same thing our Lord declared to those Pharisees. He said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. And in verse 43, the beloved physician, Luke, writes, To him give all the prophets witness, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Our Lord declared, Moses wrote of me. And even before the law was given, our Lord said how that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Jeremiah, God's prophet, sets forth how that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord our righteousness. King David was justified before the law of God in God's sight. And he writes about it in Psalm 32. We heard that read to us earlier. Blessed is that man whom the Lord will not charge sin to. You see, David's hope of being justified before God was not by the works of the law, but by the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his faithfulness and not his own. Abraham rejoiced in the righteousness given in Christ, and we're going to see that in Romans chapter 4 as we continue in our study. Moses rejoiced in Christ. David was justified in Christ. Jeremiah rejoiced in Christ, the Lord our righteousness. And to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Beloved, that's the blessed person and message that's witnessed by the law and the prophets. They all give that same testimony, how that we're not justified by the doing of the law, but rather we're justified in Christ. Adam, the first sinner, was justified in Christ. How do I know that? Well, you remember Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. God killed an animal and clothed them before he put them out of the garden. And that teaches us substitution, satisfaction in a covering that the Lord clothed Adam and Eve in, a robe of righteousness, a garment of salvation. Look there with me in Genesis chapter 3. I love this verse it's so clear that salvation is of the Lord in this one verse we read how that not only did the Lord God make coats of skins he also clothed them in it unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them you see the Lord has always justified every sinner by the righteousness of Christ charged to their account. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. 
Romans chapter 4. And look there with me, beginning in verse 3. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. God's word declares, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now notice it doesn't say that his faith or his righteousness, but rather that his faith is counted, that faith that lays hold of Christ, who is our righteousness. Verse 6, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Isn't that good news? Last week I was invited to visit a July 4th church function by a lady that lives in a nearby community that Sandra and I have gotten to know a little bit. And of course, I was happy to decline the invitation. I had turned in to listen to a video recording of their pastor. And though I had already suspected this, he was a big fan of that false prophet John Wesley and what they call holy living. And this is what they believe. Now listen to this statement. Quote, We believe that justification must be sustained by obedience to God's word. If you don't know that what that means, I'll tell you. They mean by that that you can lose your salvation. Well, is that true? Can you lose your salvation? I mean, if my salvation depended on my sustaining obedience to God's word, and it doesn't, not in the least, not my personal obedience, well, I would have no hope, for I'm kept by the power of God through Christ's sustaining faithful uprightness and obedience, not my own. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 10. And if you have ears, listen to the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll begin reading there in verse 27. Our Lord declares here, My sheep hear my voice. I love that statement. (laughs) They don't hear Calvin's voice. They don't hear Wesley's voice. They don't hear some man's voice. They hear the God-man's voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give them. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. I give them eternal life. I love that too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't offer them eternal life if they'll let me. No, beloved, he sovereignly gives eternal life to undeserving sinners like me and like you. By grace we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Not only did our blessed Lord pay the penalty of the law, beloved, further he performed the law. Christ is both our redemptive justification, but further he is also our righteous sanctification. And my friend, you can't have salvation without either one. Christ must be both your redemption and your righteousness. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 states emphatically, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. 
So if the righteousness that you have before God is by what you do, you have no hope for it is all, for it is all, all of it, all your so-called righteousnesses, filthy, ruined rags. And turn there with me to Isaiah. I don't have this scripture in my notes, but I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 64. Verse 6. Notice that it does not merely say all our righteousness. It adds the ES to make it unmistakably clear. We have nothing to commend ourselves to God. Your only hope, my friend, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look and live. Trust in both his doing and his dying. Trust in his payment for the breaking the law and his performance of the law. It says there in verse 6, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now here's what the scripture teaches, beloved. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, God has designed salvation to exclude all boasting in the flesh. And Paul sets forth there in Romans chapter 3, turn back there, Romans chapter 3, he sets forth that very thing, how that God has designed salvation to exclude all boasting in the flesh. In verse 27, the apostle writes, where is the boasting then? It is excluded. You see, by nature, men naturally think that they're going to earn salvation by what they do. And my friend, that is totally contrary to what the scriptures teach. You see, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Moses, Abraham, David, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they all had the same hope. Christ, our righteousness. Christ, our justifier. Now, pay close attention to the beginning there of verse 22. Even the righteousness of God. There's that statement again. Now notice God's word doesn't say the righteousness of the church or the righteousness of the creature or your righteousness or mine. Rather, the righteousness of God. So where does the righteousness that justifies the ungodly come from? My friend, it comes from God. You see, he's provided the righteousness. He is our righteousness, even the righteousness of God, which is, now notice, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Does that mean that a sinner is justified by the faithful obedience of another and not his own personal faithfulness? My friend, that's exactly what that verse is teaching. Beloved, we are justified by the faithful obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is not the only place where this is said. 
Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. I'll just show you another place, but there's many, many more. Galatians chapter 2, and look there with me beginning in verse 16. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. God's word declares through the pen of the apostle, knowing, beloved, we know, (laughs) knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. And we see this message throughout God's word. We're not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, be sure to notice that word, of. Sadly, many modern translations of the Bible remove what the King James faithfully renders as of, and they add a word that's not even in the original language and change it to read, by faith in Jesus Christ. And that totally corrupts the message of the gospel. Why is that change so bad? Well, because we're not justified by faith in Christ, by our faith, Rather, we're justified by the faith of Christ. We have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And so, beloved, our justification is by the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. You see, my friend, You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And should you find yourself believing him, it is only because you've received God's gift. You see, faith is the precious gift of God that he sovereignly gives to whom he will. And that's obtained by the righteousness of Christ. And beloved, that's exactly what the scriptures teach in 2 Peter 1, verse 1. God sets forth there that we've obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And beloved, that's why faith is called precious. For we only believe according to the working of his mighty power. You see, men by nature do not believe the gospel of God. They don't believe the gospel of God's grace in Christ. Now, though they may lay hold on works, you know, clean up, be the best you can, your best life now, straighten up, fly right, pay your bills, treat your wife decently, be a good neighbor, and all those things. And indeed, all those things have their proper place. But I tell you, if you're trusting in those things to earn your way to heaven, you're trusting in yourself for salvation. And if you're doing that, my friend, you're headed to hell. If God should leave you in that delusion that by what you do or don't do that you can save yourself, you'll end up in hell. You see, my friend, if you're doing that, you're trusting yourself for salvation. And that's totally contrary to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord declares, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Again, Romans chapter 3 Verse 22. So then, the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. 
Beloved, we believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, as many as were ordained to eternal life believe the gospel. We believe according to the working of his mighty power. By nature, left to ourselves, we'd keep loving darkness and not the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 23. For all have sinned, all are guilty, all are sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all come short of the glory of God. Now, where does that leave me? That leaves me justified in Christ. That's where it leaves me. Beloved, believing sinner, it leaves you by the precious, redeeming blood of Christ and the perfect righteousness of his perfect obedience, justified, sanctified, and freely saved by his grace. Amen. Before I ask Brother Ray to conclude our time together in a word of prayer, I'm just going to read Isaiah chapter 40, meaning there in verses 1 and 2. I love that portion that talks about that we receive double. <laughs> Not only are we justified, beloved, through the, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're sanctified by the doing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Amen.